the law school of america a duel is an arranged engagement in combat between two people with matched weapons in accordance with agreed upon rules duels in this form were chiefly practiced in early modern europe with precedence in the medieval code of chivalry and continued into the modern period 18th to late 19th centuries if not beyond especially among military officers during the 17th and 18th centuries and earlier duels were mostly fought with swords the rapier and later the small sword, but beginning in the late 18th century in England, duels were more commonly fought using pistols. Fencing and pistol duels continued to coexist throughout the 19th century. The duel was based on a code of honor. Duels were fought not so much to kill the opponent as to gain satisfaction, that is, to restore one's honor by demonstrating a willingness to risk one's life for it, and as such the tradition of dueling was originally reserved for the male members of nobility, however, in the modern era. It extended to those of the upper classes generally. On occasion, duels with pistols or swords were fought between women. Legislation against dueling goes back to the medieval period. The Fourth Council of the Lateran, 1215, outlawed duels, and civil legislation in the Holy Roman Empire against dueling was passed in the wake of the Thirty Years' War. From the early 17th century, duels became illegal in the countries where they were practiced. Dueling largely fell out of favor in England by the mid-19th century and in continental Europe by the turn of the 20th century. Dueling declined in the eastern United States in the 19th century and by the time the American Civil War broke out, dueling had begun to wane even in the South. Public opinion, not legislation, caused the change. Research has linked the decline of dueling to increases in state capacity. History. Early history and Middle Ages. In Western society, the formal concept of a duel developed out of the medieval judicial duel and older pre-Christian practices such as the Viking Age Holmgang. In medieval society, judicial duels were fought by knights and squires to end various disputes. Countries like Germany, the United Kingdom, and Ireland practiced this tradition. Judicial combat took two forms in medieval society, the feat of arms and chivalric combat. The feat of arms was used to settle hostilities between two large parties and supervised by a judge. The battle was fought as a result of a slight or challenge to one party's honor which could not be resolved by a court. Weapons were standardized and typical of a knight's armory, for example longswords, polearms etc., however, weapon quality and augmentations were at the discretion of the knight, for example, a spiked handguard or an extra grip for half-sorting. The parties involved would wear their own armor, for example, one knight wearing full plate might face another wearing chainmail. The duel lasted until one party could no longer fight back. In early cases, the defeated party was then executed. This type of duel soon evolved into the more chivalric pas d'armes, or passage of arms, a chivalric haste elude that evolved in the late 14th century and remained popular through the 15th century. A knight or group of knights, tenons or holders, would stake out a traveled spot, such as a bridge or city gate, and let it be known that any other knight who wished to pass, venons or comers, must first fight, or be disgraced. If a traveling venons did not have weapons or horses to meet the challenge, one might be provided, and if the venons chose not to fight, he would leave his spurs behind as a sign of humiliation. If a lady passed unescorted, she would leave behind a glove or scarf, to be rescued and returned to her by a future knight who passed that way. The Roman Catholic Church was critical of dueling throughout medieval history, frowning both on the traditions of judicial combat and on the duel on points of honor among the nobility. Judicial duels were deprecated by the Lateran Council of 1215, but the judicial duel persisted in the Holy Roman Empire into the 15th century. The word duel comes from the Latin duellum, 
cognate with bellum, meaning war. Renaissance and Early Modern Europe During the early Renaissance, dueling established the status of a respectable gentleman and was an accepted manner to resolve disputes. Dueling remained highly popular in European society, despite various attempts at banning the practice. The first published Code Duello, or Code of Dueling, appeared in Renaissance Italy. The first formalized national code was France's, during the Renaissance. By the 17th century, dueling had become regarded as a prerogative of the aristocracy, throughout Europe, and attempts to discourage or suppress it generally failed. For example, King Louis XIII of France outlawed dueling in 1626, a law which remained in force afterwards, and his successor Louis XIV intensified efforts to wipe out the duel. Despite these efforts, dueling continued unabated, and it is estimated that between 1685 and 1716, French officers fought 10,000 duels, leading to over 400 deaths. In Ireland, as late as 1777, a code of practice was drawn up for the regulation of duels, at the summer assizes in the town of Clonmel, County Tipperary. A copy of the code, known as the 26 Commandments, was to be kept in a gentleman's pistol case for reference should a dispute arise regarding procedure. Enlightenment-era opposition By the late 18th century, Enlightenment-era values began to influence society with new self-conscious ideas about politeness, civil behavior and new attitudes towards violence. The cultivated art of politeness demanded that there should be no outward displays of anger or violence, and the concept of honor became more personalized. By the 1770s the practice of dueling was increasingly coming under attack from many sections of enlightened society, as a violent relic of Europe's medieval past unsuited for modern life. As England began to industrialize and benefit from urban planning and more effective police forces, the culture of street violence in general began to slowly wane. The growing middle class maintained their reputation with recourse to either bringing charges of libel, or to the fast-growing print media of the early 19th century, where they could defend their honor and resolve conflicts through correspondence in newspapers. Influential new intellectual trends at the turn of the 19th century bolstered the anti-dueling campaign. The utilitarian philosophy of Jeremy Bentham stressed that praiseworthy actions were exclusively restricted to those that maximize human welfare and happiness, and the evangelical notion of the Christian conscience began to actively promote social activism. Individuals in the Clapham sect and similar societies, who had successfully campaigned for the abolition of slavery, condemned dueling as ungodly violence and as an egocentric culture of honor. Modern History Dueling became popular in the United States. The former United States Secretary of the Treasury Alexander Hamilton was killed in a duel against the sitting Vice President Aaron Burr in 1804. Between 1798 and the Civil War, the U.S. Navy lost two-thirds as many officers to dueling as it did in combat at sea, including naval hero Stephen Decatur. Many of those killed or wounded were midshipmen or junior officers. Despite prominent deaths, dueling persisted because of contemporary ideals of chivalry, particularly in the South and because of the threat of ridicule if a challenge was rejected. By about 1770, the duel underwent a number of important changes in England. Firstly, unlike their counterparts in many continental nations, English duelists enthusiastically adopted the pistol, and sword duels dwindled. Special sets of dueling pistols were crafted for the wealthiest of noblemen for this purpose. Also, the office of second developed into seconds or friends being chosen by the aggrieved parties to conduct their honor dispute. These friends would attempt to resolve a dispute upon terms acceptable to both parties and, should this fail, they would arrange and oversee the mechanics of the encounter. In the United Kingdom, to kill in the course of a duel was formally judged as murder, 
but generally the courts were very lax in applying the law, as they were sympathetic to the culture of honor. This attitude lingered on. Queen Victoria even expressed a hope that Lord Cardigan, prosecuted for wounding another in a duel, would get off easily. The Anglican Church was generally hostile to dueling, but nonconformist sects in particular began to actively campaign against it. By 1840, dueling had declined dramatically, when the seventh Earl of Cardigan was acquitted on a legal technicality for homicide in connection with a duel with one of his former officers. Outrage was expressed in the media, with the Times alleging that there was deliberate, high-level complicity to lead the loophole in the prosecution case and reporting the view that in England there is one law for the rich and another for the poor and the examiner describing the verdict as a defeat of justice. The last fatal duel between Englishmen in England occurred in 1845, when James Alexander Seton had an altercation with Henry Hockey over the affections of his wife, leading to a duel at Browndown, near Gosport. However, the last fatal duel to occur in England was between two French political refugees, Frederick Cournet and Emmanuel Barthelemy near Englefield Green in 1852, the former was killed. In both cases, the winners of the duels, Hockey and Barthelemy, were tried for murder. But Hockey was acquitted and Barthelemy was convicted only of manslaughter, he served seven months in prison. However, in 1855, Barthelemy was hanged after shooting and killing his employer and another man. Dueling also began to be criticized in America in the late 18th century. Benjamin Franklin denounced the practice as uselessly violent, and George Washington encouraged his officers to refuse challenges during the American Revolutionary War because he believed that the death by dueling of officers would have threatened the success of the war effort. In the early 19th century, American writer and activist John Neal took up dueling as his earliest reform issue, attacking the institution in his first novel, Keep Cool, 1817, and referring to it in an essay that same year as the unqualified evidence of manhood. Ironically, Neal was challenged to a duel by a fellow Baltimore lawyer for insults published in his 1823 novel Randolph. He refused and mocked the challenge in his next novel, Errata, published the same year. Dueling nevertheless gained in popularity in the first half of the 19th century especially in the South and on the lawless western frontier. Dueling began an irreversible decline in the aftermath of the Civil War. Even in the South, public opinion increasingly came to regard the practice as little more than bloodshed. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. Prominent 19th century duels. The most notorious American duel was the Burr-Hamilton duel, in which notable Federalist and former Secretary of the Treasury Alexander Hamilton was fatally wounded by his political rival, the sitting Vice President of the United States Aaron Burr. Another American politician, Andrew Jackson, later to serve as a general officer in the U.S. Army and to become the seventh president, fought two duels, though some legends claim he fought many more. On May 30, 1806, he killed prominent duelist Charles Dickinson, suffering himself from a chest wound that caused him a lifetime of pain. Jackson also reportedly engaged in a bloodless duel with a lawyer and in 1803 came very near dueling with John Sevier. Jackson also engaged in a frontier brawl, not a duel, with Thomas Hart Benton in 1813. On September 22, 1842, future President Abraham Lincoln, at the time an Illinois state legislator, met to duel with state auditor James Shields, but their seconds intervened and persuaded them against it. On May 30, 1832, French mathematician Evariste Galois was mortally wounded in a duel at the age of 20, cutting short his promising mathematical career. He spent the night before the duel writing mathematics. The inclusion of a note claiming that he did not have time to finish a proof spawned the urban legend that he wrote his most important results on that night. 
Irish political leader Daniel O'Connell killed John Destair in a duel in February 1815. O'Connell offered Destair's widow a pension equal to the amount her husband had been earning at the time, but the Corporation of Dublin, of which Destair had been a member, rejected O'Connell's offer and voted the promise sum to Destair's wife themselves. However, Destair's wife consented to accept an allowance for her daughter, which O'Connell regularly paid for more than 30 years until his death. The memory of the duel haunted him for the remainder of his life. In 1808, two Frenchmen are said to have fought in balloons over Paris, each attempting to shoot and puncture the other's balloon. One duelist is said to have been shot down and killed with his second. In 1843, two other Frenchmen are said to have fought a duel by means of throwing billiard balls at each other. The works of Russian poet Alexander Pushkin contained a number of duels, notably in Yegin's duel with Lensky and Eugene and Yegin. These turned out to be prophetic, as Pushkin himself was mortally wounded in a controversial duel with George's Danthes, a French officer rumored to be his wife's lover. Danthes, who was accused of cheating in this duel, married Pushkin's sister-in-law and went on to become a French minister and senator. In 1864, American writer Mark Twain, then a contributor to the New York Sunday Mercury, narrowly avoided fighting a duel with a rival newspaper editor, apparently through the intervention of his second who exaggerated Twain's prowess with a pistol. In the 1860s, Otto von Bismarck was reported to have challenged Rudolf Firko to a duel. Firko, being entitled to choose the weapons, chose two pork sausages, one infected with the roundworm trichinella, the two would each choose and eat a sausage. Bismarck reportedly declined. The story could be apocryphal, however. Decline in the 19th and 20th centuries. Duels had mostly ceased to be fought to the death by the late 19th century. The last known fatal duel in Ontario was in Perth, in 1833, when Robert Lyon challenged John Wilson to a pistol duel after a quarrel over remarks made about a local school teacher, whom Wilson married after Lyon was killed in the duel. Victoria, BC was known to have been the center of at least two duels near the time of the gold rush. One involved a British arrival by the name of George Sloan, and an American, John Liverpool, both arriving via San Francisco in 1858. In a duel by pistols, Sloan was fatally injured and Liverpool shortly returned to the U.S. The fight originally started on board the ship over a young woman, Miss Bradford, and then carried on later in Victoria's tent city. Another duel, involving the Mr. Muir, took place around 1861, but was moved to a U.S. island near Victoria. By the outbreak of World War I, dueling had not only been made illegal almost everywhere in the Western world, but was also widely seen as an anachronism. Military establishments in most countries frowned on dueling because officers were the main contestants. Officers were often trained at military academies at government's expense, when officers killed or disabled one another it imposed an unnecessary financial and leadership strain on a military organization, making dueling unpopular with high-ranking officers. With the end of the duel, the dress sword also lost its position as an indispensable part of a gentleman's wardrobe, a development described as an archaeological terminus by Ewart Oakshot, concluding the long period during which the sword had been a visible attribute of the free man, beginning as early as three millennia ago with the Bronze Age sword. Legislation Charles I outlawed dueling in Austria-Hungary in 1917. Germany, the various states of the Holy Roman Empire, has a history of laws against dueling going back to the late medieval period, with a large amount of legislation, dual mandate, dating from the period after the Thirty Years' War. Prussia outlawed dueling in 1851, and the law was inherited by the Reichstrafgesetzbuch of the German Empire after 1871. 
Pope Leo XIII in the Encyclic Apostolis Officiae, 1891, asked the bishops of Germany and Austria-Hungary to impose penalties on duelists. In Nazi-era Germany, legislations on dueling were tightened in 1937. After World War II, West German authorities persecuted academic fencing as duels until 1951, when a Göttingen court established the legal distinction between academic fencing and dueling. In 1839, after the death of a congressman, dueling was outlawed in Washington, D.C. A constitutional amendment was even proposed for the federal constitution to outlaw dueling. Some U.S. states' constitutions, such as West Virginia's, contain explicit prohibitions on dueling to this day. In Kentucky, state members of the Electoral College must swear that they had never engaged in a duel with a deadly weapon, under a clause in the state constitution enacted in the 1850s and still valid other U.S. states like Mississippi until the late 1970s, formerly had prohibitions on dueling in their state constitutions, but later repealed them, whereas others, such as Iowa, constitutionally prohibited known duelers from holding political office until the early 1990s. From 1921 until 1971, Uruguay was one of the few places where duels were fully legal. During that period, a duel was legal in cases where an honor tribunal of three respectable citizens, one chosen by each side and the third chosen by the other two, had ruled that sufficient cause for a duel existed. Pistol Sport Dueling In the late 19th and early 20th century, pistol dueling became popular as a sport in France. The duelists were armed with conventional pistols, but the cartridges had wax bullets and were without any powder charge, the bullet was propelled only by the explosion of the cartridge's primer. Participants wore heavy, protective clothing and a metal helmet with a glass eye screen. The pistols were fitted with a shield that protected the firing hand. Olympic dueling. Pistol dueling was an associate, non-metal, event at the 1908 Summer Olympics in London. Late survivals. Dueling culture survived in France, Italy and Latin America well into the 20th century. After World War II, duels had become rare even in France, and those that still occurred were covered in the press as eccentricities. Duels in France in this period, while still taken seriously as a matter of honor, were not fought to the death. They consisted of fencing with the ape mostly in a fixed distance with the aim of drawing blood from the opponent's arm. In 1949, former Vichy official Jean-Louis Tixier Nanker fought school teacher Roger Nordman. The last known duel in France took place in 1967, when Gaston Deffer insulted René Ribier at the French Parliament and was subsequently challenged to a duel fought with swords. René Rebeer lost the duel, having been wounded twice. In Uruguay, a pistol duel was fought in 1971 between Daniel Ocina and Enrique Ero, in which neither of the combatants was injured. Various modern jurisdictions still retain mutual combat laws, which allow disputes to be settled via consensual unarmed combat, which are essentially unarmed duels, though it may still be illegal for such fights to result in grievous bodily harm or death. Few if any modern jurisdictions allow armed duels. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. Rules. Offense and satisfaction. The traditional situation that led to a duel often happened after a perceived offense, whether real or imagined, when one party would demand satisfaction from the offender. One could signal this demand with an inescapably insulting gesture, such as throwing his glove before him. Usually, challenges were delivered in writing by one or more close friends who acted as seconds. The challenge, written in formal language, laid out the real or imagined grievances and a demand for satisfaction. The challenged party then had the choice of accepting or refusing the challenge. 
Grounds for refusing the challenge could include that it was frivolous, or that the challenger was not generally recognized as a gentleman since dueling was limited to persons of equal social status. However, care had to be taken before declining a challenge, as it could result in accusations of cowardice or be perceived as an insult to the challenger's seconds if it was implied that they were acting on behalf of someone of low social standing. Participation in a duel could be honorably refused on account of a major difference in age between the parties and, to a lesser extent, in cases of social inferiority on the part of the challenger. Such inferiority had to be immediately obvious, however. As author Bertram Wyatt Brown states, with social distinctions often difficult to measure, most men could not escape on such grounds without the appearance of cowardice. Once a challenge was accepted, if not done already, both parties, known as principals, would appoint trusted representatives to act as their seconds with no further direct communication between the principals being allowed until the dispute was settled. The seconds had a number of responsibilities, of which the first was to do all in their power to avert bloodshed provided their principal's honor was not compromised. This could involve back-and-forth correspondence about a mutually agreeable lesser course of action, such as a formal apology for the alleged offense. In the event that the seconds failed to persuade their principals to avoid a fight, they then attempted to agree on terms for the duel that would limit the chance of a fatal outcome, consistent with the generally accepted guidelines for affairs of honor. The exact rules or etiquette for dueling varied by time and locale but were usually referred to as the code duello. In most cases, the challenged party had the choice of weapons, with swords being favored in many parts of continental Europe and pistols in the United States and Great Britain. It was the job of the seconds to make all of the arrangements in advance, including how long the duel would last and what conditions would end the duel. Often sword duels were only fought until blood was drawn, thus severely limiting the likelihood of death or grave injury since a scratch could be considered as a satisfying honor. In pistol duels, the number of shots to be permitted and the range were set out. Care was taken by the seconds to ensure the ground chosen gave no unfair advantage to either party. A doctor or surgeon was usually arranged to be on hand. Other things often arranged by the seconds could go into minute details that might seem odd in the modern world, such as the dress code, duels were often formal affairs, the number and names of any other witnesses to be present and whether or not refreshments would be served. Field of Honor The chief criteria for choosing the field of honor were isolation, to avoid discovery and interruption by the authorities, and jurisdictional ambiguity, to avoid legal consequences. Islands and rivers dividing two jurisdictions were popular dueling sites, the cliffs below Weehawken on the Hudson River where the Hamilton Burr duel occurred were a popular field of honor for New York duelists because of the uncertainty whether New York or New Jersey jurisdiction applied. Duels traditionally took place at dawn, when the poor light would make the participants less likely to be seen, and to force an interval for reconsideration or sobering up. For some time before the mid-18th century, swordsmen dueling at dawn often carried lanterns to see each other. This happened so regularly that fencing manuals integrated lanterns into their lessons. An example of this is using the lantern to parry blows and blind the opponent. The manuals sometimes show the combatants carrying the lantern in the left hand wrapped behind the back, which is still one of the traditional positions for the offhand in modern fencing. Conditions At the choice of the offended party, the duel could be fought to a number of conclusions. To first blood in which case the duel would be ended as soon as one man was wounded, even if the wound was minor. Until one man was so severely wounded as to be physically unable to continue the duel. To the death, or all outruns, in which case there would be no satisfaction until one party was mortally wounded. In the case of pistol duels, each party would fire one shot. 
If neither man was hit and if the challenger stated that he was satisfied, the duel would be declared over. If the challenger was not satisfied, a pistol duel could continue until one man was wounded or killed, but to have more than three exchanges of fire was considered barbaric, and, on the rare occasion that no hits were achieved, somewhat ridiculous. Under the latter conditions, one or both parties could intentionally miss in order to fulfill the conditions of the duel, without loss of either life or honor. However, doing so, known as deloping, could imply that one's opponent was not worth shooting. This practice occurred despite being expressly banned by the Code Duello of 1777. Rule 12 stated, no dumb shooting or firing in the air is admissible in any case. Children's play must be dishonorable on one side or the other, and is accordingly prohibited. Practices varied, however, but unless the challenger was of a higher social standing, such as a baron or prince challenging a knight, the person being challenged was allowed to decide the time and weapons used in the duel. The offended party could stop the duel at any time if he deemed his honor satisfied. In some duels, the seconds would take the place of the primary dueler if the primary was not able to finish the duel. This was usually done in duels with swords, where one's expertise was sometimes limited. The second would also act as a witness. Pistol duel. For a pistol duel, the two would typically start at a pre-agreed length of ground, which would be measured out by the seconds and marked, often with swords stuck in the ground, referred to as points. At a given signal, often the dropping of a handkerchief, the principals could advance and fire at will. This latter system reduced the possibility of cheating, as neither principal had to trust the other not to turn too soon. Another system involved alternate shots being taken, beginning with the challenged firing first. Many historical duels were prevented by the difficulty of ranging the Methodist Pugnandi. In the instance of Richard Brocklesby, the number of paces could not be agreed upon, and in the affair between Mark Akenside and Ballow, one had determined never to fight in the morning, and the other that he would never fight in the afternoon. John Wilkes, who did not stand upon ceremony in these little affairs, when asked by Lord Talbot how many times they were to fire, replied, Just as often as your lordship pleases, I have brought a bag of bullets and a flask of gunpowder. Western Traditions Americas Latin America Duels were common in much of South America during the 20th century, although generally legal. In Argentina, during the 18th and 19th century, it was common for gauchos, cowboys, to resolve their disputes in a fight using working knives called facones. After the turn of the 19th century, when repeating handguns became more widely available, use of the facone as a close combat weapon declined. Among the gauchos, many continued to wear the knife, though mostly as a tool. However, it was occasionally still used to settle arguments of honor. In these situations, two adversaries would attack with slashing attacks to the face, stopping when one could no longer see clearly through the blood. In Peru there were several high-profile duels by politicians in the early part of the 20th century including one in 1957 involving Fernando Belaundetari, who went on to become president. In 2002 Peruvian independent congressman Edel Ramos challenged Vice President David Weissman to a duel with pistols, saying the vice president had insulted him. Weissman declined. Uruguay decriminalized dueling in 1920, and in that year José Batlle y Ordóñez, a former president of Uruguay, killed Washington Beltrán, editor of the newspaper El País, in a formal duel fought with pistols. In 1990 another editor was challenged to a duel by an assistant police chief. Although not forbidden by the government, the duel did not take place. Dueling was once again prohibited in 1992. A senator, and future president of Chile, Salvador Allende, 
was challenged to a duel by his colleague Raul Rettig, who would later be his ambassador to Brazil, in 1952. Both men agreed to fire one shot at each other, and both fired into the air. At that time, dueling was already illegal in Chile. There is a frequently quoted claim that dueling is legal in Paraguay if both parties are blood donors. No evidence exists that this is indeed true, and the notion has been outright denied by members of the Paraguayan government. Colonial North America and the United States European styles of dueling established themselves in the colonies of European states in North America. Duels were to challenge someone over a woman or to defend one's honor. In the U.S., dueling was used to deal with political differences and disputes and was the subject of an unsuccessful amendment to the United States Constitution in 1838. It was fairly common for politicians at that time in the United States to end disputes through duels, such as the Burr-Hamilton duel and the Jackson-Dickinson duel. Dueling had become outdated in the North since the early 19th century. Dueling in the U.S. was not uncommon in the South and West, even after 1859, when 18 states outlawed it, but it became a thing of the past in the United States by the start of the 20th century. To this day, Anyone sworn into any statewide or county office or judgeship in Kentucky must declare under oath that he or she has not participated in, acted as a second or otherwise assisted in a duel. Historian Bertram Wyatt Brown said of dueling in the United States. Teenage duels were not uncommon, at least in South Carolina and New Orleans. Three ironies emerged from the dueling custom. First, though confined to a segment of the upper classes, Dueling served essentially the same purpose as the lowest eye-gouging battle among Tennessee hog drivers. Second, because of this congruence between upper and lower concepts of honor, dueling was not at all undemocratic. It enabled lesser men to enter, however imperfectly, the ranks of leaders, and allowed followers to manipulate leaders to their taste. Third, the promise of esteem and status that beckoned men to the field of honor did not always match the expectation but often enough dueling served as a form of scapegoating for unresolved personal problems. Physician J. Marion Sims described the dueling culture in 1830s South Carolina. Crude duels were also fought to uphold personal honor in the rural American frontier, that were partly influenced by the co-duello brought by southern emigrants. The quick-draw duel is a common trope in a gunfighter story in most Western stories, although real-life Wild West duels did occur such as the Wild Bill Hickok, Davis Touch Shootout and Luke Short. Jim Courtright duel. Gunfighters Jim Levy and Tom Carberry became infamous for participating in at least two quick-draw duels in their lifetimes. Besides quick-draw duels, more formal European duels were also fought in the Old West such as those participated by former cowboys Hugh Anderson and Burton C. Mossman. Settlements such as Tombstone and Dodge City, prevented these duels by prohibiting civilians from carrying firearms by local ordinance. The penalty established upon conviction of killing another person in a duel in the Massachusetts Bay Colony in its 1728 law to punish and prevent dueling stated in case any person shall slay or kill any other in duel or fight, as aforesaid and upon conviction thereof suffer the pains of death, as is by law provided for willful murder, the body of such person, shall not be allowed Christian burial, but be buried without a coffin, with a stake driven through the body, at or near the place of execution, as aforesaid. In Upper Canada, then a British colony, John Wilson killed Robert Lyon on June 13, 1833, in Perth. That incident is believed by some to have been the last fatal duel fought in Canada, it was certainly the last in what is now Ontario. However, several reliable sources state that the last fatal duel in what is now Canada occurred in Lower Canada, now Quebec, on May 22, 1838. The duelists were British officer Major Henry Ward and lawyer Robert Sweeney. 
Ward was wounded in that incident and subsequently died. According to a 2020 study, dueling behavior in the United States declined as state capacity, measured by the density of post offices, increased. Europe, Great Britain and Ireland The duel arrived at the end of the 16th century with the influx of Italian honor and courtesy literature, most notably Baldassare Castiglione's Libro del Cortegiano, Book of the Courtier, published in 1528, and Girolamo Musio's Il Duello, published in 1550. These stressed the need to protect one's reputation and social mask and prescribed the circumstances under which an insulted party should issue a challenge. The word duel was introduced in the 1590s, modeled after medieval Latin duellum, an archaic Latin form of bellum war, but associated by popular etymology with duo two, hence one-on-one -on -one combat. Soon domestic literature was being produced such as Simon Robson's The Court of Chill Courtesy, published in 1577. Dueling was further propagated by the arrival of Italian fencing masters such as Rocco Bonetti and Vincento Saviolo. By the reign of James I dueling was well entrenched within a militarized peerage, one of the most important duels being that between Edward Bruce, 2nd Lord Kinloss and Edward Sackville, later the 4th Earl of Dorset, in 1613, during which Bruce was killed. James I encouraged Francis Bacon as Solicitor General to prosecute would-be duelists in the Court of Star Chamber, leading to about 200 prosecutions between 1603 and 1625. He also issued an edict against dueling in 1614 and is believed to have supported production of an anti-dueling tract by the Earl of Northampton. Dueling however, continued to spread out from the court, notably into the army. In the mid-17th century it was for a time checked by the activities of the parliamentarians whose Articles of War specified the death penalty for would-be duelists. Nevertheless, dueling survived and increased markedly with the Restoration. Among the difficulties of anti-dueling campaigners was that although monarchs uniformly proclaimed their general hostility to dueling, they were nevertheless very reluctant to see their own favorites punished. In 1712 both the Duke of Hamilton and Charles IV Baron Mohun were killed in a celebrated duel induced by political rivalry and squabbles over an inheritance. By the 1780s, the values of the duel had spread into the broader and emerging society of gentlemen. Research shows that the largest group of later duelists were military officers, followed by the young sons of the metropolitan elite, Seabanks, a polite exchange of bullets. Dueling was also popular for a time among doctors and, in particular, in the legal professions. Quantifying the number of duels in Britain is difficult, but there are about 1,000 attested between 1785 and 1845 with fatality rates at least 15% and probably somewhat higher. The last duel in England was fought in 1852 between two French political exiles. In 1777, at the summer assizes in the town of Clonmel, County Tipperary, a code of practice was drawn up for the regulation of duels. It was agreed by delegates from Tipperary, Galway, Mayo, Sligo, and Roscommon, and intended for general adoption throughout Ireland. An amended version known as the Irish Code of Honor, and consisting of 25 rules, was adopted in some parts of the United States. The first article of the Code stated. Rule 1. The first offense requires the apology, although the retort may have been more offensive than the insult. Example, A tells B he is impertinent, and B retorts, that he lies, yet A must make the first apology, because he gave the first offense, and then, after one fire, B may explain away the retort by subsequent apology. The 19th-century Irish statesman Daniel O'Connell took part in a duel in 1815. Following the death of his opponent, John Destair, 
O'Connell repented and from that time wore a white glove on his right hand when attending Mass as a public symbol of his regret. Despite numerous challenges, he refused ever to fight another duel. In 1862, in an article entitled Dead, and Gone, Shots, Charles Dickens recalled the rules and myths of Irish dueling in his periodical all the year round. British Prime Ministers Who Took Part in Duels Four Prime Ministers of the United Kingdom engaged in duels, although only two of them, Pitt and Wellington, held the office at the time of their duels. William Petty, 2nd Earl of Shelburne fought a duel with Colonel William Fullerton, 1780. William Pitt the Younger fought a duel with George Tierney, 1798. George Canning fought a duel with Lord Castlereagh, 1809. The Duke of Wellington fought a duel with Lord Winchelsea, 1829. Holy Roman Empire in Germany. In early modern High German, the duel was known as Kampf, or Kampfechten. The German dueling tradition originates in the late Middle Ages, within the German school of fencing. In the 15th century, duels were fought between members of the nobility wearing full-plate armor. During the late 16th and the 17th century, this tradition was gradually replaced with the modern fencing with the rapier following the Darty school, while at the same time the practice of dueling spread to the bourgeois classes, especially among students. The term Kampf is replaced by the modern German duel during the same period, attested in the Latin form duellum from ca. 1600, and as duel from the 1640s. A modern remnant of German dueling culture is found in the non-lethal Mansur tradition in academic fencing. Russia. The tradition of dueling and the word duel itself were brought to Russia in the 17th century by adventurers in Russian service. Dueling quickly became so popular, and the number of casualties among the commanding ranks so high, that, in 1715, Emperor Peter I was forced to forbid the practice on pain of having both duelists hanged. Despite this official ban, dueling became a significant military tradition in the Russian Empire with a detailed unwritten dueling code, which was eventually written down by V. Durasov and released in print in 1908. This code forbade duels between people of different ranks. For instance, an infantry captain could not challenge a major but could easily pick on a titular counselor. On the other hand, a higher-ranked person could not stoop to challenge lower ranks, so, it was up to his subordinates or servants to take revenge on their master's behalf. Dueling was also common among prominent Russian writers, poets, and politicians. Russian poet Alexander Pushkin fought 29 duels, challenging many prominent figures before being killed in a duel with Georges Danthes in 1837. His successor Mikhail Lermontov was killed four years later by fellow army officer Nikolai Martinov. The dueling tradition died out in the Russian Empire slowly from the mid-19th century. Eastern Traditions India Duels or Niyuda were held in ancient India, including modern-day Pakistan and Bangladesh, for various reasons. Many Kshatriya considered it shameful to die in bed, and in their old age often arranged for a yudadon, literally meaning combat charity. According to this practice when a warrior felt he did not have much time to live, he would go along with a few attendants and ask another king for a duel or a small-scale battle. In this way he chooses his own time and manner of death and is assured that he will die fighting. Duels to the death were legal in some periods, and punishable by execution in others. Ancient epics and texts like the Dharmashastra tell that duels took place under strict rules of conduct, and to violate them was both shameful and sinful. According to these rules, it was forbidden to injure or kill an opponent who has lost their weapon, who surrenders, or who has been knocked unconscious. The Manusmriti tells that if a warrior's top knot comes loose during a duel, the opponent must give him time to bind his hair before continuing. 
both duelists are required to wield the same weapon, and specific rules may have existed for each weapon. For example, the Mahabharata records that hitting below the waist is forbidden in mace duels. In one ancient form of dueling, two warriors wielded a knife in the right hand while their left hands were tied together. The Portuguese traveler Duarte Barbosa tells that dueling was a common practice among the nobles of the Vihayanagara Empire, and it was the only legal manner in which murder could be committed. After fixing a day for the duel and getting permission from the king or minister, the duelists would arrive at the appointed field with great pleasure. Duelists would wear no armor and were bare from the waist up. From the waist down they wore cotton cloth tightly round with many folds. The weapons used for dueling were swords, shields and daggers which the king would appoint them of equal length. Judges decided what rewards would be given to duelists, the winner may even acquire the loser's estate. Duels in Manipur were first recorded in the chain Errol Puyi which details the ethics of dueling. When a fighter was challenged, the day for the bat would be fixed to allow for time to prepare the weapons. Allowing the opponent, the first chance to fire an arrow or hurl a spear was considered particularly courageous. The duel itself was not necessarily to the death, and usually ended once first blood has been drawn. However, the victor was still expected to behead the loser. Either before the duel or before the beheading, the fighters would share the meals and wine prepared by their wives. If it had been so requested beforehand, the loser's body may be cremated. Heads were taken as trophies, as was custom among the headhunters of northeast India. Various taboos existed such as not killing an opponent who runs, begs or cries out of fear, or anyone who pleads for protection. In Kerala, duels known as Ankam were fought by the Kalari-trained Shekhalver caste on behalf of their local rulers. Japan. In Edo period Japan, there was a tradition of dueling. Keto, among the samurai class. On April 14, 1612, the famous Japanese swordsman Miyamoto Musashi dueled his rival Sasaki Kojiro on the island of Funajima. Miyamoto is said to have fought over 60 duels and was never defeated. Philippines. Dueling was a common practice in the Philippines since ancient times, and continued to be recorded during Spanish and American colonialism. In the Visayas, there is a tradition of dueling where the offended party would first take it or challenge the offender. The offender would have the choice whether to accept or decline the challenge. In the past, choice of weapons was not limited. But most often, bolos, rattan keens, and knives were the preferred weapons. Duels were either first blood, submission, or to the last man standing. Duels to death were known as Hugo Toto, without bounds. The older generation of Filipino martial artists still tell of duels which occurred during their youth. Duels with the bolo knife were prominent in North and Central Philippines, common in farmlands where the machete-like bolo is commonly used as a domestic tool. A duel reported internationally occurred on April 14, 1920 by Prescott Journal Minor which was known as the first bolo duel in Manila since the American occupation. It happened when Nanhalamali and Tranquilino Paglanawan met with friends in a vacant lot near the city center before dusk to settle a feud, Paglanawan lost his left hand. With no law against bolo fights, Umali was charged for a petty crime. Bolo fights are still seen today, albeit rarely, and have become part of Filipino rural culture. On January 7, 2012, two middle-aged farmers were wounded after a bolo duel over the harvest of rice in a village in Zambonga City. Geronimo Alvarez and Jesus Guerrero were drinking and at the height of their arguing Alvarez allegedly pulled out his bolo and hacked Guerrero. Guerrero also pulled his bolo and repeatedly hacked Alvarez, and their relatives immediately intervened and rushed them to hospital. The Law School of America the content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons Attribution, Share Alike License.
The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America.